Thank you, Pastor Tracy. Just a reminder, fill out your connection card, predict the score of the game. Got to get the right teams, though. And so we'll have a little prize for that next week. Hey, we're going to start a new teaching series today called The Escape Room. Anybody here ever been in an escape room? Yeah, it's called Your, your Parents Locked You in Your Room When You Misbehaved. No, not really. So you go to escape room and you have to solve these puzzles, answer questions and do things. And there's somebody on the other side in a two-way mirror that laughs at you while you try to figure out how to get out. And so uh, uh, you do all these things and you're trying to escape the room, right? And it occurred to me that's the way life is sometimes. We get trapped by stuff. And we have things that just kind of kind of grab hold of us and we can't shake them, whether they're bad habits or whatever they might be as well. And so I just had a burden in my life to do a, do a teaching series on the topic of temptation because I believe, well, first off, I know it's common to everybody. Everybody faces temptations in life. So we're going to spend five weeks uh, talking about this significant thing. And we're going to discover that God is really faithful to us and, and wants to see us be able to escape from the habits or the temptations or the things that just grab onto us as well. And God is faithful. He always provides a way to escape. And we may not feel that way, and we may not sense that all the time, but God really does. He's faithful to us, and, and he provides a way of escape. I experienced this as a college student, okay, and so like a lot of college students, I went to a lot of parties and uh, kind of got sucked into that scene and a lot of drinking and alcohol. And so trying to escape that was just, just not the easiest thing to do as well. And for some reason, and I don't know why, but, but you just kind of, people say, well, that's okay. No harm, no foul. But yet in my life, it was. It was very destructive in, in my life as well. And so we have to deal with that. Uh, honestly, and there can be all kinds of issues that just grab onto us, and and it might be it might be eating. You just overeat. Donut here. Okay, so you just might over you just might overeat, right? So I had two surgeries um, for my Achilles tendons. I didn't walk basically for eight months, and man, did I put on the weight. I put on the weight, right? And, and then it's just hard to get to get rid of that, right? And so some of you know that you just have some some things that are just uh, eating at you literally, okay? And you just struggle with that. And there can be all kinds of addictions that flow out of flow out of this temptation thing as well. Uh, 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 sexual addictions, pornography addictions, it's just rampant in our culture as well. And we just need to be aware of that and know that. Hey, spending can be an addiction. Buying stuff can be addiction. Some of you are addicted when you walk into Home Depot or Jerry's. You just buy stuff. You buy stuff you don't need, then you put it in your garage. Or you walk into some store and you buy shoes you don't need. Right? You just buy. And it feels good. I see that. I'll buy. I'm just going to buy that. Or you go online and then you have it delivered to your house and you're staring at the window waiting for the mail to come. Right? You're just waiting for that. Right? 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 And so it can be, it can be that way. It can be debt. It can be gambling. I have some friends that have gambling addictions. Yeah, they have gambling addictions, and, and, and it's so easy. You don't have to go to the casinos anymore. You can just do it at home. You can gamble off your phone, uh, right? And they, and they get sucked into that, and all of a sudden their savings is gone, right? right, right? So there, there can be just that as well, trying to escape that. Or it can be anger. 
Some people just have anger addictions and they just fly off the handle. They've got a sharp temper, quick tempers, right? And then you have that and you go, oh, I just wish I could break free of that and I just, I just can't as well. And here's the one that I see today. I might even see it right now. I just, yeah, some people are addicted to their phones. Your phone. Yeah, don't look in the room. I see all that stuff from the stage here. You're looking at people like, yeah, get off your phone, yeah. And you go, to, you go to a restaurant or somewhere, and there can be four people at the table, right? All four are on their phones. They're not talking to each other. Am I, am I correct? Is that right? Yeah, you should go to a restaurant someday and don't take your phone inside and just look at all the other people on their phones. Right, right? You're just addicted to that, and it's called social media. You know, it's just, it's just there, right? And you, you know, some of you are so fast on your phones, your thumb is going to fly off. <laughs> what under my thumb? What under my thumb? I got another thumb. I can still do this, you know? So we have these things that just trap us. It's like we're in an escape room. And sometimes it's very hurtful. It's very painful because you so badly want to get rid of whatever that is and escape from it. Here's our key passage for today. It's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Here's what it says. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Men and women both. Everybody. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he'll provide a way, uh, a way out so that you can endure it. I memorized this verse as a young person in high school. It's one of the first verses I ever memorized. I had like 10 or 15 that were on my list, and this was one of them, and, and I learned a way of escape back in those days. That was the translation. So this verse is, this verse is incredible. You just think, you just look at it. It's just full of, uh, uh, it's just a richness to it and so many ways to apply it and so many things to dig in, which we're going to do here in a minute. I want to give you this definition of temptation. Here's what we're going to have. Anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of following Jesus. And it's been that way since the Garden of Eden when the devil promises them, hey, this is going to satisfy you, and sure enough, it doesn't, right? And it was at the cost of disobedience to God. So anything that promises satisfaction, hey, this is going to feel good, it's going to be great, right? And we need to be aware of this because we have these desires inside, we'll talk about them next week, but... but but sometimes they're good desires and they just cross the line because we all have desires and they cross the lines. And what scientists tell us, and I think this is probably correct, is that, is that every time you do something that's satisfying, you get a little hit in your brain of dopamine, right? And it feels good. So you buy shoes and you go, wow, that felt good. I want to buy, buy something else now. Or that felt good. I won on that bet. Or that felt good, you know, just eating more. Whatever it is. It can be just anything anything at all. You know, your brain releases that and you just feel good about it. And I, I think it has this little bit of a cycle to us. It's like guilt. You feel guilty for it. And then you have regret, guilt and regret. And then you have shame. And it's kind of this cycle of things. Oh, I wish I had done that. Boy, that was bad. I feel guilty about that. I regret I did it. I feel so awful. I feel so awful. So we're going to work through four principles today 
to get out of the escape room. Are you ready? Four principles. And here's the first one. It is not a sin to be tempted. Okay, get, get this. This is hard for some of you to wrap your arms around. It's not a sin to be tempted. And we need to embrace and distinguish between, hey, I got tempted, but that's not necessarily a sin. It's how I'm going to respond to that. I can cross the line all of a sudden. Right, right. So just because I'm tempted, I can prove this from Hebrews 4.15. says this, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to, he's talking about Jesus here, unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are tempted, yet he did not sin. So Jesus was tempted. So obviously the temptation itself is not a sin. Being tempted is not the same thing as sinning. We need to understand that. Or otherwise, we're going to be trapped with this sense of shame and guilt and regret because there are temptations all over the place. And your enemy, the devil, wants to lure you in by temptation. And then all of a sudden, just because you're tempted, you feel this immense amount of guilt. Okay, so I got this donut up here. It's from last week. I'm sure it's not stale. So let's just say that you walk into your workplace and they got a dozen donuts and they look like, oh man, I just, they just, they just look like this. And there's a whole bunch of them. And then you're looking at them and you go, I want one. I want one. But you've been trying to eat healthy and your doctor and the people who love you are telling you to stop eating donuts, okay? And, and but you're tempted and you think in your mind, I want that one. Have you sinned? Have, have you sinned? Okay, let's, uh, I don't know if we take a poll here, but have you sinned just because you think I'd like to have that one? I'd just like to have that. That's the temptation. Right, right? That's the temptation. Now, some of you go, oh, I just want to smell it. <sighs> is, that, is, that, is that a sin? You know, you're getting technical on me. You're getting technical on me, and I don't know the answer to that question, but I think you're flirting with the line when you start doing that. Now then, are you flirting with the line, you know, you don't eat it, but you lick the frosting off? I think you've crossed the line at that point. If you're trying to eat healthy, I mean, nothing wrong with eating a donut, right? But if you're trying to eat, eat healthy and that's your goal and, and you've got tempted like this, right? And you sniff it, you know, you're just, I think there's a place you cross the line there, right? But the temptation itself is, oh, that looks good. I want to eat it. And it sinned. Right? And that applies to everything in life, right? I'm just using a donut, this donut a, a, as an example. As an example, anybody want this now? <laughs> I saw, I saw a couple people like, mm, I want one of those, you know, I could tell, you know, and I don't want to cause you to be tempted, you know, so, okay. So just because we're tempted doesn't mean we sin. And Jesus was tempted in every way that we are tempted. That's what the book of Hebrews tells us. All right, so we should not have this false shame and guilt just because we are tempted. Now, temptation is not a half a sin. Uh, you know, it's just not sin at all. We need to distinguish between those two things as well. You should not have guilt about being tempted. Being tempted, you know, we have the shame factor with it as well, and we have self-hatred. I hate myself because I'm always being tempted. It's the difference between sinning and temptation. But God is faithful. He always provides a 
way of escape. So Adam and Eve are in the garden. Satan comes along, your adversary, the devil, he's real. He comes at them, attacks them with this twisting of truth to say, hey, God didn't really say it quite like that. And, you know, just trying to manipulate them. And this, this fruit, this donut's good for you. You'll know a bunch of stuff when you eat it. And, but you know what? You know, there's no between temptation and sin because they didn't sin until they actually took the fruit. So it wasn't the temptation. Are you tracking with me? Because we all get tempted. Okay, that doesn't mean you're evil just because you get tempted. It means you're a human being and you struggle with temptation. Okay, here's the second, second thing. So temptation is not a sin, but everyone is tempted. Everyone is tempted. No, no one's above it. No one's above it. Here's what 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says. Let's just read it again. It's our key verse. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, everybody. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Okay? And sometimes we think, oh, I would never do that sin. Other people do that sin. I would never do that. I would never do something so bad as that. Never. You watch out. As soon as you have that kind of pride, as soon as you have that kind of arrogance, if you, man, if you have your Bible open, just look at the preceding verse, verse 12 uh, in 1 Corinthians 10, it says, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. I have this pride thing going on. Oh, I would never, I would never leave my, I would never steal from my work. I would never cheat like that. We have to be careful about that. It's a pride issue, right? You're just kicking against, you know, kicking against the wall at that point because what's happening is you're beginning to think, I am so spiritual, I would never do that. And you need to recognize life for what it is that, yes, we can quickly, if we are not careful in following Jesus, we'll talk about this, but, 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 but we can just fall into that same trap. How often have you seen somebody go, I can't believe that happened to them. I can't believe this guy, a true story, he, they can't find him, but they find his car at the airport. I'm telling you this true story. It's, it's, I hate to say this because he's a pastor, and they find his car at the airport, and they can't find him, and he's, he's been the whole week in Hawaii with somebody who's not his wife, and he's just left everything. How did that happen? Don't think you're above that kind of stuff, right? Or you think of somebody, I, I, I don't know anybody in this category, but I hear about it, but somebody's like, is a medical doctor, and all of a sudden you think, oh man, they're, such, they're a medical doctor, but they get hooked on, they get hooked on pain pills because they had back surgery. Now, how did that happen? Stuff like, stuff like that. And never think that you will not have those kinds of weaknesses in your life, because you will never, ever, ever, ever think you are above being tempted. Never think you're going to not have a problem in that area. Don't ever think, I would never do that. One of the things I think is so interesting in the verse, if you, oh, it's still on the screen, good. So uh, it says, it has three tenses to it. Past, has a past tense, a present tense, and a future tense. 
It's very interesting. So he's talking about past sins, talking about present, and then in the future, God will always provide a way out. So this temptation thing is something we will live with till the day we die, and we go and meet Jesus. So we better learn how to be successful against temptations. Now, temptation, it says, overtaken you. So it's not a neutral thing. It's not a passive thing. It's an active thing. It's trying to overtake you. It's trying to grab you. You're not trying to, trying to grab yourself with that, but the temptation is trying to overcome you. It's kind of like being on the freeway and another car is passing you, right? It's, it's going to overtake you. Temptations are seeking to grab onto you. That's what the verse literally means, by the way. The Greek word, lambano, means to grab onto. It's seeking to tempt you and to grab onto you and take hold of you. But be aware of that. It's an active thing. That's why, that's why maybe sometime you're just sitting somewhere, and all of a sudden you think, well, I'll just do that. Well, that's the stupidest thing in the world. Where'd that come from? Oh, they gave, me, they gave me the wrong chains. They gave me an extra 20. Ooh, sweet. I'll just keep it. Yeah. No, 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 no. That thought came to your you're, you're tempted to steal it. It's not yours. Right, right? So it's over, all of a sudden, it just comes out of nowhere. The temptation is trying to grab you. It's trying to grab you. It's powerful. It's experienced by everybody. Even Jesus experienced temptations, as we said. I, uh, let's picture this. A grandpa and his grandson go to the basketball game, and they're sitting really close to the floor, and they're right in front of the cheerleaders. Everybody tracking with me? <laughs> Some of you are already laughing with me, you know, where this is going, right? So, because so, it's actually a true story, I, I'm with somebody else that, that he goes, I can't sit here in front of these cheerleaders. And I go, okay, let's go back up to the third floor of the balcony. <laughs> anyway, because it was just too difficult for him. So, so just picture this, you're in front of the cheerleaders and they're doing their extra special dance routine right in front of you, right? And the 19-year-old is like, oh my goodness, I've got my grandpa right here. Oh, and I'm struggling with these lustful thoughts and, and uh, just all of that kind of stuff. And in the middle of the routine, he goes, hey, Grandpa, when do you stop having lustful thoughts about, about women? At what age does that happen? And he goes, I don't know, maybe somewhere past 75, because I'm 75 today. <laughs> this never goes away, right? Right? So we have to be aware of that as well. Or ladies, they're driving down the road. You're driving down the street. You're by the university. Got a group of guys jogging without their shirts on. They got six packs. We're not talking about Pepsis. <laughs> Just to clarify. And you go, oh, there's some guys with six packs with their shirts on. So you're driving. Boom, and you hit something in front of you, right? Now then, you might be saying, oh, I was just concerned that they might not be able to cross the street safely. I was checking on them. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, 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 right. And it can happen to guys too, right? right? I've known guys who have 
kind of had some fender benders because they were staring while they were driving and they shouldn't have been staring, right? Right, right. So that's kind of crossing the line right there, right? That's, that's, that's where you engage that temptation, right? You just kind of engaged it. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, in this verse, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Uh, the issue in that chapter is idolatry. And uh, part of the issue is unfaithfulness to God as well. And there's widespread sexual immorality in this church. And he's talking about the history of the Jewish people at this point. And, and they've been testing and rebelling against God. Right? They just got, a, they have a sin problem. They, they've been trapped by this. Okay? Now, when Paul says, he says, uh, no temptation is overtaking you. Some of your translations, maybe only one or two, will say trials. And then somebody will say, well, God will never give you trials that you can't bear up under. But that's not really what it says. It's talking about temptation, not trials, because we can have bad things that happen to us in the culture. Or just, just a flood, earthquakes, tornadoes, stuff happens, right? Right, but what he's talking about in this verse is temptation itself, and the temptation will not crush you because God will provide a way to escape. Here's number three. Here's number three. Every temptation is an invitation to trust. Every temptation is an invitation to trust. I just want to nail this verse down. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure. God is faithful. Okay. Hey, I was uh, reading a little article about this verse, and a guy quotes uh, from this commentary, uh, Martin Luther. You ever heard of Martin Luther? He's the father of the Reformation. He's the guy that nailed these 95 theses on the castle door, nails them in Latin first. Nobody can read Latin, so they don't pay attention. Then he writes it in German, the common language, and kind of blows up. So that's Luther, and uh, just sets off this firestorm of faith in Christ, and it, it was amazing. But Luther was this grand theologian, too, and he said this. He said this, to be a theologian, you need three things. And then he goes on to say, to be a follower of Christ, you need three things. To be close to God today, he says, you need three things. And he says, you need prayer, meditation, and temptation. Isn't that weird? I thought that was weird. You need three things. He said, prayer, I need to talk to God. I need meditation, that's where I let God talk to me. And I need temptation? From, from Martin Luther? Why would I be inviting temptation? He's not necessarily inviting temptation. You go on to read what he's talking about. He says it's temptation which teaches me to depend on God alone and to trust him. If there's never temptation, then, then, then my spiritual growth will be stunted. But when I can, I, can, I can trust God through the temptation, see it as an invitation to trust him, so that I can escape, it makes all the difference in the world. I am learning to trust God with everything. So every temptation is, is an invitation to depend on Christ as well. So when I'm tempted with something, I'm tempted to eat the donut, I'm tempted to, 
to uh, watch that movie. I'm tempted to do whatever. It's an invitation to trust Jesus with your life. Say, God, I need some help here. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to depend upon Christ. It's the ability to say no. And that doesn't come from inside, by the way. It doesn't come from inside. We sometimes end up doing the wrong thing, the stupid thing, the hurtful thing. Why? Why? Because we're not depending upon Christ. And then all of a sudden we depend upon our own willpower. That never works. Don't eat that. Don't touch that. Don't do that. Don't say that. Don't hit the send button on that email. Don't send that text message. Don't do that. Then you're trying, oh, just, I just, you know, try hard and then you fail. Then you fail. And Satan uses that against us as well. He tempts us. See, the key to all this, and we're going to talk about in the upcoming weeks, is the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's where we're going here toward the end of this series, and we're going to talk about that, how we need God's help in escaping as well. Okay. Let's talk about number four. There's always an escape. Isn't that good news? There's always an escape. There's always a way out. Always is. I want us to read how it worked for Jesus. That seems like a good example to follow, right? Jesus, and in Matthew chapter 4, he gets tempted by the devil. It's also in Luke chapter 4, by the way. But I'm going to read from Matthew. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand in the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written. See, the devil knows the Bible too, doesn't he? He just twists it. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, knucklehead. Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him. Interesting phrase there, and the angels came and ministered to him as well. So how did Jesus respond to all this temptation? And he gets tempted in various ways, right? It gets in a physical way, hey, you're hungry, let's have some, turn these rocks into bread, and then have all this power and all this status, you know, going through those human things as well. So he tempts Jesus, and Jesus every time quotes scripture back to him. And, and I think that's profound, and it's three times in a row, and the devil is tempting him and quoting, mistwisting scripture, trying to manipulate the situation, and Jesus is going to attack it by quoting scripture. That's very profound. That's very profound. I have a, a friend of mine who it just kind of popped in my head this week, and 
he exaggerates all the time. Anybody have a friend that exaggerates? Maybe you do, I don't know. So I got a friend, he exaggerates. And, and, and so we're at Starbucks one day and uh, we're just talking and it's kind of like, he's a pastor, I'll just get right to it. So, so, and he doesn't live around here, so don't think it's somebody I know, because I know lots of people. So, it's just somebody I know from another place. And you know what, he, he says, well, my church, he'd say, well, we have a thousand people that attend, but I, but I know that it's actually 800, so he always rounds up. That's a, that's a big roundup, right? That, that is a, that, that's a big roundup. Or, or if he said he paid $100 for something, he might say he paid $200 for it, if that sounded better. Or he might say you know, he paid $50 for it, if it looks good that he exaggerates the other way. Do you know what I mean? So he just exaggerates all the time about stuff as well. You know, accuracy is not his spiritual gift. And then he, then he kind of says, yeah, sometimes I exaggerate. And I'm going, yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking in my head because I don't want to say anything. I just say, yeah, you kind of do. But, but anyway, so, and then he goes, I've learned to quote, every time I want to exaggerate, I quote Proverbs where it says, the Lord detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor with him. It's, it's this scale thing where you don't cheat people and you're, you're honest about things, right? So he, that's his go-to verse. So when he's tempted to exaggerate, Right? He thinks about this verse. I said, that's good. That's good. It's like Jesus. It's like Jesus because, because when we're in that temptation part and, in our, and it's going to be in our head, right? It's going to be in your mind. That's where this battle is. It's a spiritual battle. It's in your head, man. And you've got to attack it in your mind. So that's why you need to know some scripture. Hey, can you put the next bullet point up for me? Yeah, know God's promises. I wasn't going to call it just know scripture, but I think it's more than that. You've got to know that, that this is what God says to you. It's his guarantee to you. It's a promise to you. You've got to attack it. That's your first line of defense. Know the scripture. You will have more power escaping when you know some scripture. In fact, a great place if you're struggling trying to get out of the escape room, you got this habit and this temptation that's really dragging you down. Memorize this verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Memorize that verse. Just write it down on a card. Keep it in your, in your car. Put it on your phone. Just, just read over it and keep it in your head. Keep it in your head. And the part you really need to focus on is those three words, and before, and God is faithful. And God is faithful. God is faithful. Just get that in your head. God is faithful. Okay? You got to know God's promise. You got to know his word. You got to attack those temptations and don't let them sit there in your minds as well. Hey, uh, dads, if you get angry a lot with your kids and you fly off the handle or you fly off the handle at home, you need to memorize Ephesians 6, 4, fathers do not exasperate your children. You, gotta, you have to have a verse in your head. You just got to have one right there. It's, it's, your, it's your first line of defense. It's the word of God as well. Then you can say, just like Jesus did, away from me, Satan. You, know, you got you to gotta make a decision there. Jesus didn't overcome temptation because he had some special power, although he does. 
He overcomes temptation because he knew the Bible. And for him, he'd grown up in a home, a Jewish home, in which they would have been going to Jewish school, learning scripture, memorizing large portions of the Bible, all of those kinds of things. He had trained himself. There's a training to it. And we call those actually spiritual disciplines or practices, prayer, read the Bible, those kinds of... We kind of think of them in two categories. One is uh, uh, disciplines of don't do that. You know, you're bad, stop it. I don't find that very helpful. But what I do find helpful is when we go the other direction, say, I need to embrace God's word. I need to read the Bible a little bit. Not a little bit, a lot. You've got to read it, right? You've got to have it sink into your life, become part of who you are as well. You've got to train yourself. Jesus was well-trained. And we can do that as well. Anybody here run a marathon? Anybody? One? One. I can't believe this. I'm part of a men's group on Wednesdays at 6 a.m. Everybody in that group has run a marathon but me. And guess what? I'm never going to run a marathon. <laughs> do you know why? <laughs> Some of you are laughing like hysterically at me. But you know why? It's because of this. Because I'm not going to do the training. I... I the person laughing the most is somebody I live with on the other side of the room just laughing at me. So I'm not going to start running two miles and then three miles and build myself. I'm not going to do that. But if you want to fight temptation, you got to train yourself. It takes spiritual training. you got to get spiritual muscle to do this. There's no other way to do it, to overcome. Here's so, to overcome, to escape, know God's promises I'm going to give you something very practical. Ask for help. Ask for help. Ask God to help you. Got to ask. Ask somebody else to help you. Ask somebody else to be your accountability partner. Ask. God will give you a way out. Okay? When I was in college, and I've shared this before, it's nothing new, but... Uh, you know, on a Saturday morning, I had three mixed drinks by noon, and I thought, you know, I probably, I'm not going the right direction in life. So I poured out all the alcohol, and I realized part of the problem was some of the roommates I had. This is a long time ago, but, and then I moved in with different roommates. Made all the difference in the world. The, pe the people that you're with, the people you're doing community with. Ask for help from your Christian friends, right? Dig into that, right? Dig into that can make all the difference for you. A friend of mine was uh, having difficulty with pornography and other sexual addiction issues, and I ended up being his accountability partner. And so our deal was he call, was supposed to call me every day at 3, 3 p.m. And, and he travels a lot, so he's going to call me every day. And, and then he missed one. Oh, he didn't call today. And then it... And later that night, like at 9 o'clock, he calls me. He goes, oh, man, I've messed up so bad. I've messed up so bad. I have messed up so bad. Steve, I've messed up so bad. He's just kind of like, I said, well, what's happening? Well, what happened? And he goes, well, I got in a hotel room, and they had these bad movies in this hotel room. And, and I said, did you watch one? He goes, no. But they had bad movies in the hotel room. I said, well, did you watch one? He goes, no, I did not watch one. But they had bad movies there. I feel so awful about myself. I can't believe I'm here. You know, I said, hold it, hold it, hold it. You're telling me that you're away on business, 
you're in a hotel room all by yourself and they have bad movies on the TV. He goes, yeah. And I said, and now you're telling me you didn't watch anything. Right, I didn't watch anything. I don't know what you call that, but I call that a victory. I call that a victory. Right? Because he felt so bad and guilt and shame and self-hatred because he was tempted and he was, he was ready to lick the donut. But he didn't. That's a win. That's why we need people in our lives. That's why we need community. That's why when people stop coming to church, they stop going to their small group. They stop all of those things and you don't have a community sense. All of a sudden, it might be a year later, five years later, ten years later, they're off from following Jesus to doing their own thing. If I've seen it once, I've seen it a million times. You stop fellowshipping. That's a loaded church word, but you stop your community, faith community involvement. You stop taking communion. You stop singing songs with fellow believers. You stop going to your small group. It all adds up because you need that so desperately. And if you want to live and get out of the escape room, you're not going to do it by yourself. You've got to have people in your life. Somebody who's going to call you, that you're going to call, you're going to talk to, that you're going to have honest conversations with. Because you can't do it on your own willpower. Willpower always fails. Always. Christ in me is more powerful than my willpower, and I need my Christian friends for all of that support and accountability. That's why, as a pastor, I get so concerned about people not coming to church. Right? I get concerned about that. Not because I want to fill up all the seats. It doesn't matter. But I know the end result. I know the end result. I know the end result. It's not good. And then you're always in the escape room, and you're never going to get out. So claim the promises of God. Claim them. It's awesome. And make sure you're doing life together with others. That's where it's at. That's where it's at. I'm going to pray. And I give you the chance to say a prayer too because you might want to ask God for some help right now. And I'll give you the opportunity to do that. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you live in us and we thank you that you have provided a way of escape. And Lord, you are always faithful to us when we turn to you, you are there. You are always present. Maybe today you feel like you're, in, you're trapped in, in the escape room. You have no way out. That is not true. That is a lie. There is a way out. And maybe right now you just need to talk to God on your own. Just in your heart, talk to him. And, and maybe in your heart you just need to ask for help and tell him that you want to depend upon him. And maybe... You just need to say that to him and just get it out there. Tell him what it is and tell him the issue. And He already knows. It's just good for him to have you tell him. And maybe for some of you, you just need some, some of the right friends in life. You need to do this following Jesus with others. Maybe you could just pray about that. Lord, I, I need to take those steps to do, to do life with others. Heavenly Father, 
We thank you that you're always faithful. You always provide a way out and that your power is beyond anything we could ever imagine. And we pray this in the powerful name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.